How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hi, it's David Locke. Welcome to day three of our mock draft. Th- today, we'll be doing picks 13 through 18. Also on the Locked On NBA feed, Chad Ford, ESPN Insider, Jonathan Giovoni, Draft Express Insider, and Mike Schultz will be coming your direction Monday or Tuesday with all of his breakdowns. But in the meantime, let's get day three of our mock draft going. And remember, a Reddit AMA today with all the hosts from the Locked On Podcast Network at 2 o'clock Eastern. Have you found your favorite teams locked on podcasts and subscribed on itunes or your podcatcher if not please do so all right let's hit it for day three of the locked on podcast network mock draft picks 13 through 18 you are locked on the nba part of the locked on podcast network Welcome back to the Locked On Podcast Network Studios and Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate to have you back on board. And we are sitting at the 13th pick of the draft. And the Denver Nuggets are currently on the board for you. They are followed by the Miami Heat today. The Portland Trailblazers are 15th. Chicago Bulls have the 16th pick. The 17th pick of the draft is the Milwaukee Bucks. And the 18th pick of the draft is the Indiana Pacers. Those are the teams that are on the board today. And that's where we have Mike Schmitz is with us as well. He'll be giving us his insight and expertise. And the Locked On Podcast Network host will break down their picks, where their team stands, and what's coming up. Today's show is brought to you by... Dollar Shave Club. Great Father's Day gift. Well, at least I hope so, because it's what I just got my father for Father's Day. I have really, really been impressed by the Dollar Shave Club. Quick little backstory here for you. I thought I could beat this life hack by in the old days by figuring out where they got their razors, what to do, went around and fi- thought I could, because I don't want to pay the money. Like, nothing drives me more crazy than paying for razors, right? Well, I blew it, because when I got my Dollar Shave Club to my house, I had a brand new experience that I had never had before with the level of quality and truly I know it sounds cliche-ish, but the best shave I've ever had. Here's what they'll send you. They will send you a high-quality blade and amazing shave butter delivered right to your door for an incredible smooth shave. If you use the promo code LOCKNBA, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash LOCKNBA. You will get the first month of the executive razor with a tube of Dollar Shave Cream Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for 5 bucks in your first month box, you get the weighty handle, full cassette, four executive cartridges, and a tube of shave butter. Try it. There's no strings attached. You can cancel at any time, and you are in business. Father's Day was my answer for my dad. That's what I got him. You can do it for yourself or for Father's Day. DollarShaveClub.com slash lock, N-B-A-L-O-C-K, 
NBA. All right, let's get the draft back underway. If you're just tuning us in for this one, we're 12 picks in. The Celtics opened us up with Markel Fultz. Lonzo Ball went to the Lakers. Josh Jackson went third to the 76ers. The Suns tipped Jonathan Isaac out of Florida State. The Kings' fifth pick was De'Aaron Fox. Magic then took point guard Dennis Smith. We came back for episode two of the Locked in NBA podcast with the Timberwolves grabbing Malik Monk. The Knicks got lucky with Jason Tatum sliding to eight. The Pistons acquired the ninth pick in a trade and took Laurie Markkinen. The Kings stayed at five and ten and ended up with OG Ananobi out of Indiana. The 11th pick of the draft was taken by the Raptors as they made a trade with Charlotte and took Frank Tilakina out of France. The Mavericks at the 12th spot after making their previous deal took Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville after their GMs thought they were going to get Tilakina to slide down. He didn't. And a bunch of teams made trades and didn't get who they wanted. And that's where we stand now after those deals. You can go back and catch podcasts one and two of the mock draft if you'd like to. But right now, let's start it off. The 13th pick of the NBA draft is in control of the Denver Nuggets. Adam Modis is their general manager and host of Locked On Nuggets. And let's send it out to Denver to Adam. Hey, everyone. This is Adam Modis from DenverStiffs.com and host of the Locked On Nuggets podcast. The Denver Nuggets enter the 2017 NBA draft and NBA offseason with a collection of under-22-year-old talents, six of them on the roster. The most notable is Nikola Jokic, who in his second season became one of the premier center, center offensive players in the NBA, probably the best passing center and one of the most efficient scorers from the low block, the high post, the elbows, and behind the arc. Gary Harris is another part of the core of this roster, a two-way 3-and-D type player who's a tremendous cutter and a great system player, shot over 40% from behind the arc this year, and him and Nikola Jokic really had great rapport uh, throughout the season. Jamal Murray is another piece of the core of this roster. He's overtaken Emmanuel Moutier as the point guard prospect of the future halfway through the season. Emmanuel Moutier was benched and, and Jamal Murray uh, placed as the backup and taking most of Moutier's minutes uh, and really stood out as, a, as a, a great worker, a tremendous shooter, and another guy that really was on the same wavelength with Nikola Jokic. The three of those guys, Jokic, Harris, and Murray, all seem to have the makings of a phenomenal offensive team. Juancho Hernan Gomez is another piece of the puzzle, although I think a little bit less uh, of a certainty for the Nuggets' future going forward. He was another guy that shot over 40% this year in his limited minutes. Tremendous motor, rebounder, and has some length. He's really an interesting prospect, but I think a little bit more or a little bit less of a can't-miss type prospect. That leaves the Nuggets with the power forward position as the only spot that doesn't have a young under-22 type player, and the small, to a lesser extent, the small forward position. Uh, where you have Wilson Chandler and Juancho Hernan Gomez, but maybe you, you look for a little bit more length and defense. That's what the Nuggets seem to be needing most is defense. They rank 29th in defensive rating throughout the season. They need some length on the perimeter to help contain drives and dribble penetration, as well as to help protect the rim, since Nikola Jokic is mostly a below-the-rim type uh, of center. A dream scenario for the Nuggets would be to try to trade the pick and move forward. I think Jonathan Isaac is probably the perfect prospect in this draft for the Nuggets roster with his length and defensive versatility. Offensively, he stays within his lane, which is what you need when you have such offensive talents like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. So I think he would fit in offensively very nicely and shine, but defensively he would elevate the team to new heights over time. 
I don't think it's realistic for the Nuggets to move up. There are teams that may be interested, including or the Orlando Magic, uh, who have expressed interest in Juancho Hernan Gomez and Wilson Chandler. There might be a, a package deal, including those two players and the 13th pick that can move up to, to the fifth pick. But short of something like that, I think the Nuggets' second preference would be to move back in the draft. They have had very uh, a lot of success drafting in the middle to late first round, even in the second round where they got Nikola Jokic at 41. So I think the Nuggets would rather uh, try their hand at two picks late in the first rather than one pick right in the middle. So I think that that'll be their their main target. If they do get stuck at 13, there are a handful of players that I think make a bit of sense for the Nuggets, although nobody is a home run. OG Ananobi is the first name on the list, a defensive specialist that brings a little bit of strength, length, and toughness that paired alongside Nikola Jokic could could really work out nicely if the knees are not a concern and if OG pans out to reach the potential that many see in him. Zach Collins is another player that kind of fits the Nuggets mold of skilled players that can do a little bit of everything. His defense might translate very nicely to the power forward position in the NBA, and that would work out. But the drawback with him is that he's more of a power forward center hybrid, and I'm not sure that the Nuggets are interested in putting any more of those types of players together since they already have Mason Plumlee and Nikola Jokic. In our mock draft with the Locked On NBA crew, I was unable to make any trades work. I do think that the Nuggets are very likely, as likely as anyone in the, in the lottery, to trade their pick. And I think there's a handful of interesting suitors. Atlanta has the 19th and 34th, or 31st pick. I think the Nuggets would be very interested in taking those two rather than the 13th, so maybe there's a deal to be had there. Orlando has that early pick, but they also have a late first that I think the Nuggets would be interested in in that one as well. So I think the Nuggets are going to be one of the more likely teams to make a deal. If stuck at 13, like I was in our mock draft, I selected TJ Leaf. And I don't think the Nuggets would take TJ Leaf at 13. That's quite a stretch. Most mocks have him going somewhere between 18 and 25. But I do think he's a player that fits what the Nuggets are trying to do, especially offensively, where he has a high basketball IQ, great feel for the game, unselfish, and would fit in immediately, I think, right alongside Nikola Jokic and the rest of the crew. The Nuggets' offense was the best offense since December 15th when Gary Harris was healthy and Nikola Jokic was named the starter. They were number one ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers, ahead of the Golden State Warriors, and the Houston Rockets. And I think that T.J. Leaf would be a guy that understands the spacing and just how to keep the ball moving and keep finding Jokic to make plays. Defensively, is the complete opposite. He's a horrible fit. The Nuggets struggled on defense. They were the second worst defensive rating, and TJ Leaf is not going to be a guy that can protect the rim and, and, and make up for some of Nikola Jokic's defensive shortcomings. But I think when you're talking about draft prospects, sometimes developing a talent like that for a couple of years will is easier to trade than having a defensive talent that doesn't fit. So I think TJ Leaf is a guy that the Nuggets would be interested in taking, would probably play right away in a... In a uh, a roll off of the bench, and that's why I had them taking them. Uh, but I do not think that the Nuggets will stay at 13. I think that there will be some kind of deal on draft night where they either move up or move down. Well, Adam describes it well. It's certainly a confluence of two very, very interesting circumstances, one of which is that I think you, T.J. Leaf is the player probably most unknown to me going into this draft of where he's going to go. I mean, his agent won't let him work out against other players, and yet he might end up being a second-round pick. 
Also, there's a case where Adam made that, you know, maybe as early as 13, he goes. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. Effective field goal percentage was through the roof at 65% last year. 47% from 3, 6, 10. But as one of our guys yesterday talked about, players are locked on Mavericks guys. He's a square. He's 6'10 with a 6'11 wingspan. So I think he's one of the great mysteries. And simultaneously, as was really described very well there by Adam, Denver's in the middle of no man's land. And the last thing they want is just another young player that at some point they have to start compiling these players and doing something with them. Nonetheless, TJ Leaf is the pick player taken here with the 13th pick. Let's bring it over and welcome back our draft expert, Mike Schmitz from Draft Express. You can catch Mike on the Vertical Show on Draft Night, as well as catching all of Mike's work over at Draft Express. His great videos. And and Mike, what are your thoughts on TJ Leaf, who just went number 13? Yeah, TJ, uh, bouncy kid, had a, had a great year with Lonzo Ball at UCLA. Um, like I said, good athlete, um, can shoot the ball a little bit, you know, with time and space. I'm not sure he's quite the the three-point shooter that his percentages suggest. I think some of that is kind of the Lonzo effect. Um, but, you know, a better athlete than you think. I think he can he can pass on the move. He can put it down a little bit. He can make a mid-range pull-up. So he has some versatility. Um, he's not the most physically tough guy. I think he's going to struggle on the defensive end. Um, you know, he had some issues guarding ball screens guarding the interior this year. Um, and I think the, the kind of pace at which he has to get his, you know, the time he needs to get to his shot um, and, and backing up, up to NBA three is, is going to be a little bit problematic, but um, could see him maybe being, you know, I've heard like a John Lure comparison. Um, maybe there's kind of a Wancho Hernan Gomez there in terms of an athletic guy who can, who can make a shot. Um, but I'm not quite as high on, on TJ as, as some. Well, some flat-out honesty right there from Mike Schmitz of Draft Express. Pretty telling, interesting comments there. 14th on the board are the Miami Heat. Blazers will follow them at 15, then the Bulls at 16, Bucks at 17, and Pacers at 18. TJ Leaf is off the board with the Nuggets. Let's head out to Miami. Wes Goldberg standing by along with Dave Ramil, the hosts of Locked On Heat, and the general managers with a hair slicked back looking a lot like Pat Riley in Miami. Hey, this is Wes Goldberg from Locked On Heat, and I'm joined with my co-host David Ramil, and the Heat are on the clock with the 14th pick. What are we looking for here? Length and shooting, right, David? Absolutely. I think yeah, those were the two most glaring weaknesses as we head forward into the draft. You're looking for perimeter scoring. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency. A lot can change. So if you you can never go too wrong by getting additional scoring from the perimeter. Yeah, Miami, we have the – Dion Waiters is a free agent. James Johnson is a free agent. And backup center Willie Reed is a free agent. And because free agency happens after the draft, we don't know who those guys are coming back and who those guys are leaving. Uh, we're not sure how things are going to shake out. So – at once, we are trying to find a future building block at 14, but also possibly just insurance in case one of those key free agents leaves. And and there's a few guys on our draft board that would be a dream scenario for us to fall to 14. And particularly, that's OJ Nunnaby, the forward from Indiana, and Lowry Markinen, the stretch four out of Arizona with Nunnaby. I know you like him a lot, David. Yeah, he's a you know an NBA ready body. 
he projects to play multiple positions. He could ideally be a, a small lineup center, even at six eight. And I think he does have enough scoring punch, so that's not necessarily a glaring weakness. And he is a playmaker, so uh, his overall athleticism makes him a great fit. As far as Markin is concerned, how can you pass up a, a big, a big tall outside threat? Uh, you know, obviously his his scoring is his biggest highlight. Uh, a lot of people look at his defensive liabilities. Um, as something that might make him drop into the draft a little bit. But to be honest with you, I, I don't think he'll be there at 14, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, at 14, it would be it would be incredible if one of these guys were on the board. I love Markkanen because he's a 7-footer, but he might be the best 3-point shooter in the draft. So you're getting a 7-footer who can shoot threes. We see what a guy like Ryan Anderson can do for the Houston Rockets offense, how he can open up things for James Harden. I think Markkanen could do the same thing for Goran Dragic, you're right. Though, it, chances are um, he won't be there at 14. But that's why it's a dream scenario. And Anunoby, I love him too. Um, but none of these guys were on the board by the time that uh, we are selecting. Um, so, And neither was personal lockdown heat favorite Donovan Mitchell, by the way. He's also off the board. Uh, and the Heat aren't in position to take um, one of these dream picks. So it's not the greatest scenario for us, but there is still plenty of talent left on the board. We believe we can find a contributor here. Um, so, but first we need to look at trade possibilities and, and we got on the phone with various front offices. No one was biting. No one was interested in trading up for our pick. We even called the Mavericks to offer the 14th pick and Tyler Johnson for Donovan Mitchell. And we were promptly shot down, got quote unquote, hell no, uh, in response. So that didn't work. Uh, so, uh, we're happy though with our selection of North Carolina forward, Justin Jackson. He is experienced at 22 years old. Uh, you know, he's a little bit older than most of the you know top picks in the draft. Um, but that's the kind of experience Miami's always looked for out of their draft selections. He's a proven commodity, and I think that's what they're looking for more than anything else. And I'm sure that Miami's plans in free agency will definitely change the perspective of how this team moves forward. But their plan is, I think, as always, to be a playoff contender. And given that, they're looking for somebody who's going to be more of a, an immediate impact type player rather than a long-term project. And in that case, you get a guy like Jackson who's proven himself for a number of years at the collegiate level, has continued to increase his shooting range as his years in college have gone on. Uh, and again, he's a 37% shooter. Uh, he has a nice mid-range game. There are questions about his, uh, you know, his durability because of his slight frame. But you figure that once he's part of Miami's established culture, the weight room is obviously a big part of what they do there. He can continue to build a little bustle and be a durable defender and score. Yeah, and the way the game's evolving, I'm not going to compare him to Kevin Durant, but I'll bring up Durant's name. He couldn't he couldn't bench press what 200 pounds, 180 pounds once at the draft and people 135, 135. Yeah. yeah, and and look, the way the game is evolving, you don't have to bang bodies down in the post anymore. Justin Jackson could survive on the perimeter and shit. If if he makes two to three three pointers a game for the Heat, we're golden. So I love Justin Jackson. I love his passing ability. He's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a really good ball mover. Um, and so I think he'll fit in seamlessly in the Heat scheme. And he provides those two things that we talked about, length and shooting. So to recap, we take Justin Jackson with the 14th pick in the draft. Again, we're at such an interesting time in this draft. The, kind of, the big talent is gone. And here you hear Wes and Dave talking about wanting long and length. And you have a Zach Collins on the, and a Jarrett Allen and a Harry Giles, uh, all, and a Justice Pat, Justin Patton, but, and a John Collins out of Wake Forest, but maybe just 
not quite good enough for them. And so instead they go to Justin Jackson, and then he's an interesting case because he is an older player, as Dave said, and you worry sometimes about these older guys coming into the league and what they're going to be able to do or not do. Let's find out. Mike Schmitz, our draft expert, is standing by. He's at Draft Express. Mike, what's your thoughts on Justin Jackson, the 14th pick of the NBA draft? Yeah, Justin's a guy who's really, really helped himself. Uh, obviously had a great you know, season and, and tournament run. Um, was a McDonald's guy. Maybe took him a little longer to get going uh, than expected. Um, but has positional size at 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. Not a you know, dunk contest type of athlete, but moves well, good feet. Uh, where he's really, really made himself valuable is that as, as a shooter. Um, he was very streaky, not a, not a great shooter coming into this year, but uh, knocked down a ton of threes this year in a variety of ways, has NBA range already, has a lot of confidence and poise to him, knows how to play, um, kind of an unorthodox game in that he's got all these floaters. He's not a guy who takes contact at the rim or really breaks you down off the dribble. But to me, he's kind of a plug-and-play wing um, who doesn't take a lot of dribbles to get anything going. He's an efficient player. Um, defensively, he's got to get a little bit tougher. Uh, he's like I said, you know, he's got to get tougher at the rim, but I really like Justin. I think he's a lottery level guy, um, you know, who's going to have a really, really good NBA career could be an NBA starter. And Miami always does pretty well. They also have Justice Winslow, and they begin to build a young core plus a bunch of cap space in Miami. So TJ Leaf goes 13. Miami takes Justin Jackson, 14. The Blazers have three first-round picks. They're on the board now at 15. To review where we are in the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft, Markel Fultz went one for the Celtics. Lonzo Ball, two of the Lakers. Josh Jackson, three with the 76ers. Suns took Jonathan Isaac, four. Kings took De'Aaron Fox, five. And Orlando finished with Dennis Smith, six. The explanation breakdown from Mike Schmitz are all in podcast number one. We came back with the Timberwolves going with Malik Monk for some shooting and scoring off the bench, but they left Jason Tatum there for the Knicks, who jumped on it with the eighth pick. The Pistons traded and acquired... Lurie Markinen with the ninth pick. The Kings held at 10 and got OG Ananube from Indiana. The Raptors moved up to the 11th pick and took Frank Tilakina, scooping the Mavericks who had traded into the 12th spot, thinking they'd get Tilakina, and instead they take Donovan Mitchell. That's all part of podcast number two, if you want to hear the GM's explanation of that. TJ Leaf, Justin Jackson off the board. So the Blazers, now we at some point expect to have a huge run on these, these interesting bigs. The the Jared Allens, the Harry Giles, the Justice Pattons, the John Collins, the Zach Collins, the Tony Bradley. There's so many bigs in this group. When will the run start on them, or will it ever start? Let's go over to Eric Gunder- Garcia Gunderson. He is the Blazers GM for the Lockdown Podcast Network and Lockdown Blazers Show. Let's hear what he has planned for the Portland Trailblazers. Hey, everyone. Welcome to... The 15th pick of the Locked On Network draft, I am Eric Garcia-Gunderson from Locked On Blazers, uh, your Portland Trailblazers podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And you'll be hearing more from me as we continue this draft. The Blazers have three picks in this draft. They don't have a lot of cap space, as you definitely probably know. Uh, they uh, have one of the, high, I think, the second highest payroll in the league this season. After signing a lot of their own free agents to deals last summer, but the draft is an avenue for them to add talent, I think. And while I think nationally a lot of the the perspective is, you know, 
Portland has to cut salary. They just do. I think the way the Blazers also may be looking at it, though, is they have a lot of players that they have a lot of money pay, going towards, but they also may use that to try and get a more impact player, a player that's established on a contract and getting paid. So it, the, the move may not necessarily be to just make a move to cut salary because that's what you got to do. Um, I think the biggest need for the Blazers in this draft, though, and in the offseason in general, is just to add talent, impact players, guys that can really impact the game in tangible ways, whether it be on the offensive end with playmaking or shooting or defensively, just really being able to provide provide consistent friction and you know, just uh, maybe tip the scales a little bit on the defensive end to help out uh, you know, the, the undersized backcourt that you have with Lillard and McCollum. But last year, they, and also whenever Dame or CJ hits the bench, they have trouble scoring. And they, even as good as they were with Nurkic towards the end of last season, my thought process on the Blazers and why I think they just need talent is they're not good enough at offense to say, hey, we can just, you know, we're good offensively. We don't need to do anything else on the offensive end. I think that that's not the case for this team. Would it be great if they could add defense? Sure. But I think they need to just add pure talent. Whoever the most impactful player is available at this spot is who they need to pick. And uh, the way the locked-on draft has played out, uh, we've seen a lot of guys that I think would be really nice impact guys on the Blazers get taken. And uh, guys that I was looking at, I think the ideal scenario for Portland would be OG Ananobi, who got taken at 10 by the Kings in, in the locked on draft. So uh, we're not going to be able to take him at that spot. And, but if there were an ideal scenario, you know, that's one of them for me because you already have two great guards and you have a guy that you can add that is just a really strong defender. And even though he's coming off an ACL injury, I think that's a player that, that you really take a hard look at and a player that I think could be a lot like Al Farouk Aminu in a lot of ways. And he's young. Maybe he can, you can learn how to shoot. It feels like, Guys in Portland have, you know, Harkless did a nicer job shooting the ball. Aminu had a nice season last year and then kind of bounced, you know, did a little bit better towards the end of the season when he was healthy and getting more consistent minutes and not being hurt all the time. And I think the culture of, of everyone shooting threes and stuff after, like, that could rub off on him. And Ananobi would be a guy that I would really like, and that would be the ideal scenario for the Blazers, I think. But given how this draft has played out, uh, we had some offers for the 15th pick. We turned it down because it's our chance to get uh, a player that is the best player available. So uh, the Blazers are taking Zach Collins from Gonzaga with the 15th pick in the draft. I think just the combination of skills and athleticism and, and height, and he can shoot it well. He shot over 40% from three in college. Uh, has a lot of untapped potential is what a lot of draft experts say about him. Couldn't, you know, he got to show it a little bit, obviously, being a big part of the team at Gonzaga that went to the national title game, but he didn't really obviously get to show all of it because there were a lot of guys that were, you know, stronger pl- or, you know, more veteran players at the college level that had spots. And I, I think he could really do a, a nice job. And a lot of the things that he had success with in college do give me hope that he could be a really solid uh, small ball five, stretch five, athletic five. That would be kind of a change of pace to Nurkic. And obviously the Blazers played Vonley a lot at small ball five. But uh, one of the things that Collins did really well in college is he was able to post up against smaller guys, turn around and score on them. And I think with the small ball fives that Portland has had in 
or any of the big men really other than Nurkic scoring on smaller guys, taking advantage of mismatches has been something that their big men have lacked. And I think that with his above the rim ability, his ability to protect the rim, uh, seems like a smart player can handle it a little bit. I think all of those reasons and the fact that I think at this point in the draft, he's the best player available. I think that is why, uh, the Blazers, uh, should take Zach Collins, uh, if it plays out like this. So Zach Collins from Gonzaga with the 15th pick going to the Portland Trailblazers. And we'll see you for uh, our other picks as the draft progresses. Blazers are on the board for three first-round picks. Can't imagine they want to use all of them uh, as they it, just too many young guys at one time. They're trying to clear salary cap space. Rumors are floating about possible deals. We'll see whether or not they're able to pull one at any point here. All right, the pick was Zach Collins. A lot of intrigue about him. Another guy that's floating all across the board. Word was a week ago he was going to be a top 10 pick. Now today in our mock draft, he goes 15. Where does he end up? Let's find out more about him from draft. Express, Mike Schmitz. Yeah, I, I think Zach is very versatile, you know, for a big man. Uh, maybe doesn't have an elite skill yet, but can do a couple different things, you know, at seven foot one. Uh, he's got a nice frame. He, he's a good athlete, um, moves his feet well in the perimeter. I think where he's going to have a lot of value eventually is, is as, you know, a stretch. Uh, it's not something he was able to do a ton at Gonzaga, just given his role. He was kind of more of a catch and finish offensive rebound type of guy. Um, but he's not the most physical guy on the interior as a finisher, and he doesn't have great length. So I think he'll have a little bit of trouble inside, you know, almost like the um, evolution of a, of a Sabonis, who maybe had some trouble on the interior, was able to figure out, at least at the college level, how, how to stretch the floor. Um, so I think you're going to see him stepping out more. Um, he protects the rim. He has some versatility defensively. You know, I think some of the downsides for him, the the mental stability at times, um, his ability to play without fouling, his ability to kind of keep his cool. You know, he's he's a good kid, a big-time worker, just puts a lot of pressure on himself um, and, and gets sped up a little bit. So I think being able to settle down and kind of come into his own uh, is going to be important for him. Interesting comments there from Mike, and I'm not sure whether Sabonis has turned out to be a success or a failure in Oklahoma City. I would maybe side a little bit on the failure side of things. That brings the Bulls to the board. Their general manager, tag team, Cody Westerland, Sean Hyken, are the two guys running the show in Chicago. Let's head over to the Windy City and see what they have planned for the 16th pick of the Locked On Podcast Network NBA Draft. All right, welcome to the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Uh, I'm Sean Hyken, uh, Bulls beat writer for The Athletic, a co-host of Locked On Bulls. With me, as always, my co-host, Cody Westerland, web editor at 670thescore.com at CBS Radio. And we are going to be drafting for the Bulls, who have number 16. And they enter this offseason and this draft uh, with many needs. Most notably, I would say, shooting and the need to get more athletic and younger, younger, as they always put it. Uh, obviously, you're going to get younger usually in the draft, but the Bulls have stressed the need to add shooters for Fred Hoiberg's team, for his system, and they just need guys that can make more plays on the court at both ends of the court by way of being athletic and uh, just kind of changing the game a little bit. So as we move forward here, I don't know if there's a singular dream scenario for the Bulls that would really be in play 
in this NBA draft other than, what would you say, Sean, maybe the Celtics ponying up and trading the one pick that's probably not going to ever happen? Right, no, if the Celtics actually offered the number one pick for Jimmy Butler, then I think that that would be probably the best case scenario for what could happen with the Bulls in this draft, but I think all indications are that Boston wants to keep the pick, so I don't think that's going to happen. Yes, so what we have the Bulls doing at number 16 overall is taking Terrence Ferguson, the 19-year-old swingman, uh, six foot seven. He went to high school in Dallas. Then instead of going to college, ended up spurning Arizona and went and played professionally in Australia for a year, following the path of, for example, Emmanuel Mudiay and Brandon Jennings. And he enjoyed his year in Australia. And what he brings to Bulls basically is the ability to do multiple things on the basketball court, both ends of the floor. He's not a great shooter yet. But the Bulls, as they have, what would you say, stagnated kind of here yes. in these last couple of years, just being around 500 and kind of the same dull basketball where they can't really change games defensively. They can't change games too much, slashing to the hoop and getting out in transition. And although, again, he hasn't been a great shooter in his one year in Australia, he's only 19 years old, so there's time for that, and he's flashed a little bit of potential there. I think scouts believe he can certainly get much better than the 31% three-point clip he had in his one year in Australia. But this is a guy that the Bulls, it would be breaking from the mold of what they've done in the past. Right, because if you look at what their most recent uh, draft picks have been, it's been a lot of guys like uh, you know Denzel Valentine, Doug McDermott, you know, mold, you know, older college players, both of those guys I believe were 23 when they got drafted. They came from big programs. They were kind of lower upside guys. This is more of like the opposite. This is like a high upside pick. Uh, he's you know a guy who's probably not going to be ready right away. He might spend more time in the D League or sorry the G League early on. Uh, but you know long term, if they think that he can be a good prospect, you know th- this would be a way to actually you know get younger and take somebody with you know some more long term upside. Yeah, and it's interesting because unlike a lot of players that are taken in the lottery, or in this case just after the lottery at number sixteen overall. A lot of times these guys are stars in college or one of the go to guys. The fact that he's already been a role player like. We met him, saw him, talked to him at the NBA Draft Combine in Chicago. And he's a guy who seems really sharp, understands the work already that it takes to put in, and just that progress and the daily grind. And I think he could fit in in the big picture and maybe be less of a culture shock for him moving professionally. And look, the Bulls have already hinted at running back the same team in 2017-18 that they largely did in 16-17 where they were a game over 500 and lost in the first round of the playoffs. And if that's the case, then it makes sense, I think, to add a guy who's not going to do a ton next year because you are going to still be giving veteran minutes to Rajon Rondo, assuming they exercise his player option and bring him back, to Dwayne Wade, assuming he exercises his player option, I should say the Bulls as a team option on Rondo. But it seems like Ferguson could fit in for the Bulls next year. Yeah, culturally, I think he'd be a good fit. He, you know, He's basically said, he told us at the combine, and maybe this was just you know saying the right things when you're in front of a bunch of reporters and trying to impress scouts and GMs, but... He did give us the impression that he isn't going to come in and expect to play a lot right away. He's perfectly willing to not play a lot of minutes, you know, no, no, learn his role, learn the NBA game, sit on the sidelines for a little bit, and I think that's important. Yeah, and look, he can attack the hoop. Uh, scouts have said so far, those that have seen him play over there, that he's a pretty good passer. He's got a lot to learn, you know, again, by way of playing in the pick and roll, ball handling, stuff like that, it sounds like. But 
there's a learning curve, and it's okay to take time when you're trying to become a more explosive basketball team. And that's what this pick would point toward for the Bulls. So that's why we went at number 16 overall with Terrence Ferguson again, breaking from the mold a little bit for the Bulls, but more of a risk maybe, but also more of a high upside. And this is a team that has to understand and look that way as they move on for the future and kind of transition here in the next couple of years as a team. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for listening to the Locked on Bulls section of the Locked on NBA mock draft. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Bulls. You can follow me on Twitter at Hyken. You can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Westerland. Read my work at The Athletic and subscribe. Uh, check out Cody's work at 670thescore.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom. Tune in Google Play, wherever else you find podcasts. And we will be with you soon. Well, interesting moves there by Cody and Sean with the Bulls and that pick because they opened it up talking about how much shooting they want, and Luke Kennard is still on the board. So maybe the best shooter of the entire draft still on the board at 18, and yet they go to Terrence Ferguson, who they explained it well, talked about that maybe shooting the moon a little bit on him, uh, but to their opening comments. So you have Kennard still sliding on the board. John Collins is slid a little bit on our board. Uh, maybe uh, we haven't had any uh, foreign players other than uh, Tilakina go so far. So that's probably a little bit of a change. And now the Bucks are on the board with the 17th pick. But before we head out to Frank and Eric in Milwaukee, let's go back to Mike Schmidt's Draft Express and find out a little bit more from his take on Terrence Ferguson, who played in Australia last season. Yeah, he Ferguson is a dunk contest style of athlete, you know, really explosive um, in the open floor. Hasn't really found a way to translate that to actual half-court game play uh, because he's not a great ball handler. But his biggest strength, I think, coming in is going to be shooting the ball. Um, I really like his ability to stretch the floor. You know, he catches on balance, releases at the same point of his jump every time. I mean, it's it's really, really consistent, and I, I like the way he shoots the ball. And he's also a willing defender. Um, he has some size, you know, for, for his position at the two. Not the strongest guy, but uh, I think he's shown us in the past that he's willing to sit down in a stance, slide with guys. And, you know, that league in Australia is not, it's not a cakewalk. It's not like, you know, China where guys are just going to get numbers. I mean, it's a physical league, uh, and I think he came in, you know, played a role, uh, hit guys, was more physical than I've seen him in the past. So, you know, for him, it's just about being more than just a catch-and-shoot guy, being able to think the game, doesn't have a great feel, uh, and, and is not a guy who's going to really put the ball on the floor all that often. So 3-and-D um, style of prospect um, just still has some areas to polish up. Mike Schmidt sounding pretty encouraged about Terrence Ferguson, and maybe Sean and Cody got themselves a little bit of a steal there. So today... T.J. Leaf went 13 to the Nuggets, Justin Jackson 14 to the Heat, Zach Collins 15 to the Blazers, and 16 Terrence Ferguson. We still have the Bucks and the Pacers on today's program. Still coming your direction. If you're just joining us, Fultz, Ball, Jackson were the first three taken in our mock draft. Jonathan Isaac went fourth to the Suns. The Kings got their man at De'Aaron Fox at five, and the Magic surprise with Dennis Smith at six. T-Wolves went Malik Rose, and Jason Tatum slid eight to the Knicks. Pistons made a trade to get to nine and took Lori Markkinen. The Kings took O.G. Ananubo out of Indiana. The Raptors took Frank Tilakina from France. Mavericks went Donovan Mitchell before we got going today. The Bucks are on the board. Frank Madden, Eric Neem of 
The Brew Hoop crew do a great job with Locked on Bucks, one of the most popular podcasts, and they're now the GM of the Bucks, which is something the Bucks don't actually have right now as a GM, so they might as well do it. This is Eric Name and Frank Madden from Locked on Bucks, and we are here to tell you what the Bucks are going to do with the 17th pick of the mock NBA draft that we're doing here on the Locked on Network. And the first thing we need to tell you about is what we think the team's biggest needs are going into this draft. Frank, what do you think those are? Well, I think every team these days seems to say that shooting is a need. I think especially for a team like the Bucks that has languished in the bottom 10 of the league in three-pointers attempted and made the past few seasons um they improved greatly last year but that's really a big need um maybe also just a mindset thing jason kidd actually trying to have his team shoot a lot of three-pointers but certainly having more personnel that can shoot is always helpful um and i think in terms of positions really point guard would be the obvious place where you could look at it and say you know you like malcolm brogdon um he can also play the two uh he played well as a rookie uh does he have upside as a potential average or better nba starting point guard that's a big ask these days uh and obviously matthew della Vadova, uh we know what Delhi can do. He's a good rotation guy. You know, I think he serves a role. Good locker room guy. But do you really want him starting and playing crunch time minutes? I think we saw last year you don't really want that either. Um, so you look at that backcourt, uh, especially at the point guard spot, I think that's the, the obvious point of need for the Bucks. which if they were in the front half of the lottery would match up very well. But um, obviously, given where the Bucks are at the 17th spot, success they had this season looks like it has them potentially um, out of a spot to uh, to maybe pick up one of those guys. And I guess from a dream scenario, perspective i don't know i I don't feel like we're going to realize the dream scenario on draft night for the bucks yeah i think that's the the fun one for the bucks is dream scenario is finding a way to get one of those five point guards that i think most people think are going in the top 10 and if not in the top 10 at least in the lottery is finding a way to get one of those so one of them falling would be would be no, that's that's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> if they could trade up to get one of those five, or um, as we had mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, a guy that I, I think with Giannis, a, a guy that you could afford to play at the point guard position because Giannis does so much of the ball handling and he does so much of the playmaking that maybe you can get away with a guy that's that's more of a combo guard. Um, and maybe Mitchell actually fits because you know his height's only six three, but he's got that six ten wingspan and some of the, some of maybe. The things that make him a weird fit elsewhere can make him a good fit in Milwaukee. Um, to me, that's dream scenario is one of those one of those things happening where either the Bucks can trade up to go get one of those five point guys, or you see Donovan Mitchell fall down to them at seventeen. Yeah, and I think what we saw in the actual mock draft that we did here on the Locked On Network um, really wasn't uh, one that we were terribly excited about in terms of the guys that were left over. No, uh, we didn't see certainly any of those point guards fall. We didn't see Donovan Mitchell available, and you know, as you said, it, it kind of leaves the Bucks in a little bit of a dead zone in terms of you know trying to align needs versus what's available in the draft. And obviously, most every team is is going to want to take a best player available type guy um but if he can you know be close enough to to that and maybe fit a fill a position of need then then you feel pretty good as well maybe you do stretch yourself a little bit there um but i think what we saw we kind of went back and forth a while trying to figure out if we loved any of these guys there's a slew of of big guys who are potentially interesting you know the the anabogus the jared allens um justin Patton, maybe um but all guys that have flaws all guys that there are reasons why they're not lottery picks um reasons why they're they're available um you know likely where where the bucks will be picking and and then there are other guys who are just kind of question marks um beyond that and um so i think you know i know we were talking as we got to our pick we were thinking man 
would have been really nice to, to trade up potentially for one of those point guards or Donovan Mitchell uh, or, or just trade back, to be honest, because as, as you, we've discussed, well, there is some depth in this draft. And, and once you kind of hit that, you know, maybe the 12 spot in the draft, everything kind of falls off a bit. And but but by the same token, maybe you can get a similarly talented player at 17 as you can a little bit later in the first round, especially if you're looking for a big guy, because there are definitely um, a ton of big guys. And um, I, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. The Bucks have not typically done a ton of trading on draft night. Um, you know, again, John Hammond no longer in Milwaukee. We'll see if that changes the mindset at all. Most of the other uh staff is is still sticking around though so we'll see if uh, if it's consistent with what we've seen in previous years um but certainly a trade-up is not something we've seen i think since uh the bucks traded up for tractor trailer uh, about 20 years ago so uh definitely history not on the side of a trade-up um but uh we ultimately came to a guy that that we thought uh was pretty good and uh, and had a chance to be a a, a solid nba player and um, I don't know. Hopefully we didn't stretch too much uh, to get a guy that filled a need because uh, we did ultimately pick a point guard, didn't we? Yeah, and I'm totally fine with saying it's a reach. Like I, While we were talking about this, discussing, debating, it was like, well, you know what? This is an exercise, and this will ultimately not decide either of our careers because we're not NBA decision makers. <laughs> uh, so you know what? Why not go take a chance on a guy that both of us, uh, or certainly I know I'm kind of head over heels for. I don't know if you're quite there, but certainly you seem to like him quite a bit as well. Uh, we went with Juwan Evans, point guard from Oklahoma State. And I guess let's start with why we won't go with the bevy of center power forward types. I think we looked at Anik Bogu, at Allen, at Patton, at Harry Giles, um, at Bam Adebayo, at I don't even know who else we had on that list. Um, but any of those centers, and all, all, we just kind of talked back and forth. We're like, well, do you really love any of them? Do you love what they bring uh, to the next level? Are you convinced of any of them uh, doing something for sure? And I, I think this probably speaks to the larger problem when drafting in this area uh, for NBA teams is you you just have to find a guy that you really like and you really believe in his skill set and you really believe in their ability to to grow and develop under what you what you're doing as a team and kind of what you need as a team and. I don't think either of us really felt that with those guys. So we went with Evans. Evans is a major departure from anything else the Bucks have at point guard. And anything else the Bucks have had a point guard for, man, I don't even know, last five to ten years? Like, they just haven't had a guy that can dominate the ball, can dominate in pick and rolls, uh, can make plays for himself, and, and really be a, a, a guy that, I don't want to say a system onto himself, but certainly a guy that can really facilitate in the pick and roll and really make some plays and we we saw him last year carry an Oklahoma State team to one of the highest offensive efficiencies in the entire country and it was mainly because of his his point guard play and the Bucks just haven't had a guy like that and yes he is undersized he's under six foot tall but that wingspan is about six five and just the fact that he's something that the Bucks don't have to me was very attractive yeah, it's interesting. I mean, some of his uh, weaknesses, you know, he's a guy that a lot of mocks have going late first, early second round. But um, as you said, a guy that that produced just at a very, very high level last year um, can make plays for himself, can make plays for others. Um, not necessarily a, a crazy athlete, despite his lack of size. Normally you think of these small guys being just 
ridiculous athletes, but really a guy who's who's just crafty and smart and plays with with high IQ um, does compete on the defensive end even if he doesn't have great tools. Um, and you know, as you said, a guy that that maybe isn't you know an overly big guy. I, I certainly, since the Brandon Jennings experience, Milwaukee have been hesitant to uh, to <laughs> venture down the path of undersized point guards. But um, I think Evans is a guy who, uh, again, his ability to make plays uh, for himself and others, something that Brandon Jennings maybe wasn't able to do in the point guard uh, at the, from the point guard position. Um, he's a guy that that I think does project in a very interesting way. And given the Bucks personnel, as we said, Malcolm Brogdon is is a very big point guard. Uh, Delvadova is a big point guard. Both those guys can play off ball a bit as well. Um, and so, really, you know, a team like the Bucks. Can can probably serve to to hide a guy like Evans better than a lot of other teams because you do have so much length and size uh, on the wing and, and on the perimeter. Otherwise, that you know you could even play Juwan Evans with uh, your other point guards that are currently on the roster. So um, again, maybe not a super super high upside guy. That's normally the type of pick I like to make uh, in the draft. Go for you know the guy that you think has a chance to be a great player. I don't know if Evans has a chance to be a great player, um, but certainly with the league becoming more guard dominated, um, it's not just a Bucks need thing, but just you know the league in general mm-hmm. now values pick and roll point guards guys who can score and create for others more than maybe it ever has at any other point and you know compared to big guys who i mean the bucks are a good example of this but the positional scarcity (laughs) at the big position i mean it's just there are just so many big guys now that it's just not hard to find them and um you know there are tons of teams that are probably willing to give away the centers that they signed for for too much money the last few years so um evans is maybe goes against the grain a little bit in terms of um what you might think of as as the best quote-unquote value but i think the way that the league is evolving um and especially for a team like the bucks i think he is an interesting player and uh, i guess we'll see if the bucks share that opinion uh, on june 22nd all right well that was frank madden i'm eric name this has been locked on bucks anytime you want to know anything about the bucks be sure to stop by eric and frank taking evans it's interesting i have talked to some people who absolutely adore him other than the one thing they talked about the size i love the argument that eric and frank made there and if anyone in the league can handle having an undersized guy, it might be the Bucks with their incredible length that they have on that roster. Jamont and Evans, Oklahoma State, you watch him against Kansas in the third to last game of the year. He's throwing dimes all over the place. And those are the kind of games that have people absolutely in love uh, with him. Let's, let's check in. Let's see what Eric... Uh, Schmitz has to say about the point guard from Oklahoma State Draft Express, Eric Schmitz. Eric, so do you? What's your feeling when you hear and your thoughts? As some of the people I've talked to around the league really feel that this guy has got other than just he's so diminutive that he's got a really special skill set. Yeah, I think if you take you know the the size away and you take kind of the NBA projection away, and you're talking about who are the best, like, pure basketball players in this draft, um, I think he's up there just because he's a tremendous ball screen player, um, really plays an NBA style and his ability to kind of snake ball screens, get to the middle of the floor, you know, put guys in jail by keeping them on his back, dropping in floaters, uh, you know, using both sides of the floor as a pick-and-roll passer, even though he doesn't have great size. Um, not exactly a, a Tyler Eulis in, in terms of, his, you know, ability to lock you up on the defensive end. I do like that he has some length for his position with a six five and a half wingspan. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, he can really, really go. Uh, fits the modern NBA just with his, like I said, his ball screen uh, play, his ability to make shots, you know, off the dribble. Uh, finishing is a bit of a concern for him. 
And I think just defending, you know, these big guards that we're seeing more of in the NBA might limit him to more of a, a backup role. Um, but, you know, I think eventually he's going to be one of the, one of the better, you know, backup point guards in, in the league. Here's the thing I think we forget at this point of the draft. We're sitting on the now 18th pick. Pacers are on the clock and, and we'll head over their direction in a second. Is that only half the players traditionally after the 11th pick of the draft end up becoming rotation players? So if you draft a kid like Evans and he becomes a, uh, a, a backup point guard, but he's a rotation back, that's a good pick at 17. Like that's... That's a really good pick at 17. Some interesting things are happening in our draft here. Harry Giles, whose injury concerns are real, has slid. John Collins, who a lot of people really, really like, is still on the board. Luke Kennard, who's the hot-talked-about guy in Chad Ford's latest reports uh, out of ESPN, still on the board as we sit to 18. Uh, so, so some interesting names. The big Latvian seven foot two center is still on the board. What's interesting about him is his contract allows you to move him to Europe for a year or two. I think he probably he's hot right now, but I think he probably stays on. He would be on the board uh, right now as well. So, a um, little bit of a surprise, possibly. Uh, I think th- th- those are the only guys. So, in our mock draft. The only thing I think that's probably taking place here is that's a little bit of some surprise picks have led to John Collins slipping down a little bit, Justin Patton and Luke Kennard, and then Harry Giles is an injury concern. So uh, that's going to be how people feel about that. All right, we got our final pick of this mock. Before we then go to Josh Lloyd for the fantasy look at things, let's go to the Pacers. Check out what they're going to do with the 18th pick of the draft. Larry Bird's no longer the GM, and so we have a new GM of the team, and it's Adam Friedman, locked on Pacers. And wait, what is this? Oh my gosh, they're having like a draft party. It's like a techno-crazy draft party for the Pacers. And Adam, oh my. With the 18th pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers select Luke Kennard, guard, Duke University. The Indiana Pacers are in a unique situation right now. The franchise could go in two different directions. The first one would be to trade a star forward Paul George and rebuild, or it would be to try to build a winning team around George in order to convince him to stay next season. With the 18th pick, the Pacers have three options. The first option is to use the pick and trade for a veteran player. Right now, there aren't many quality veteran players available, but when it comes to the draft, you never know. The 18th pick, while not very high, is still valuable because this draft is very, very deep. Now, the next option is to package the 18th pick with a player like Monte Ellis or Al Jefferson to get their contract off the books and open up cap space. Now, this is probably the most likely situation the Pacers do when it involves trading the 18th pick. The Pacers might want to go after a player like Gordon Hayward or maybe even Blake Griffin, but I would say Gordon Hayward, but they need cap space to do that, and if they do that, they'd have to get rid of somebody like Monte Ellis, which would make sense. They could also use the cap space to re-sign C.J. Miles, a player who opted out of his contract and we're looking for somewhere between 12 and $15 million. The Pacers might not be able to afford if they don't have enough cap space. 
Now, the third option doesn't really involve the 18th pick. It involves trading in this draft. The Pacers could trade star forward Paul George to the Celtics, Lakers, or even 76ers to get one of those top picks. The Pacers do that. They'll obviously take the best available player. Now, that's not that's saying they'll take the best available player that's not a center. Miles Turner is the only player on the Pacers roster right now, besides Paul George, obviously, who they're thinking about cannot be replaced or building for the future. But if they get the first pick, they'll take Markel Fultz. The second pick, they'll take Ball, Josh Jackson, or Jason Tatum. Those are the players will be available if they move up in this draft. Now, if the Pacers keep the pick, they will obviously take the best available player. That is the third option. They'll take the best available player. When we did the Locked On NBA mock draft, Luke Kennard was the best available player. Now, I think the Pacers are interested in somebody like TJ Leaf as well. Leaf is a power forward at UCLA, but he went number 13 in our mock draft, which was a little high, but if he falls to the Pacers, I think they will draft him. Now, obviously, with the 18th pick, you have to take whatever player is available. You don't have much choice. So if somebody else that's supposed to go top 10 falls that far, they'll take them. It just depends who's out there. Now, I like Luke Kennard for the Pacers. The Pacers got Luke Kennard. I would be happy, and so should Pacer fans. Luke Kennard is a sharp shooter who right now is a little small, but will get bigger and could become a J.J. Reddick, Clay Thompson type of player. Now, I saw Kennard play in college at Duke. Kennard, coming off the screen, can hit a lot of open threes. He's very good at it, but like I said, his arms are kind of small right now, but also he's only 19 years old and will give, and give him a couple years to get some NBA size. Now, Kennard fits in two different ways. If the Pacers keep Paul George... Kennard could fit as kind of the C.J. Miles role or even a better version of Monte Ellis with a better three-point shot. You throw Kennard in the corner, you let George make some moves, and you kick it out to Kennard. Now, if George leaves and Kennard becomes kind of a future building piece, Kennard could kind of become the J.J. Redick of the team where he becomes kind of a main scorer for the team, kind of in the way if there was no Steph Curry or Kevin Durant on the Warriors, he would become kind of this main sharpshooter score. 15, 20, maybe 20 plus points, depending on how much he develops. You could see that happening. Ultimately, like I said earlier, the Pacers will just take the best available player because that's what you have to do in the NBA draft. In my honest opinion, I think in every NBA draft, no matter where you pick, you don't ever pick for need. You pick the best available player because by the time these players develop, you don't know where your franchise will be in two to three years. This happens all the time where teams say, well, I can't pick a center, or I can't pick whatever. You take the best player, and you, you either trade him or whatever, because you don't know in three years whether your pick before that will turn out, if, whether somebody will leave him for agency or whatever. Just take the best available player. And that's what I think GM Kevin Pritchard will do. He'll take the best available player and hope in two or three years that player becomes a superstar. Well, thanks for listening today. My name is Adam Friedman, and I am the host of the Locked On Pacers podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks to Adam and Luke Kennard's a pick that probably make many Pacers fans very happy. Let's go to our draft expert, Mike Schmitz, Draft Express, and get the breakdown on Luke Kennard. Really impressed with Luke, uh, just kind of the jump. You know, he made his sophomore season. I think he's actually a better player than, you know, even he gets credit for. We Obviously, we have him at, at number 11, so quite high on him. Um, I like his ability to operate on and off the ball. Has a lot of versatility offensively. He's a guy you can run off of pin downs um, and can really play off that because he can catch and shoot. 
Uh, he can put it down and get to floaters with either hand, and he can really pass. He can kind of hit that slip man and make quick reads. Um, he, he's a really big-time shooter uh, off the catch, and he can really also play out of ball screens. Um, you know, he actually compares himself a little bit to Rodney Hood, somebody that you're obviously familiar with. Um, you know, good size, lefty, uh, who can shoot it in a couple different ways, play out of pick and roll. Um, so I think Luke is actually going to be able to play – you know, a little bit more combo and point guard uh, than, than people think. Um, the downside with him is, is on the defensive end. He really struggled there at Duke. You know, is he going to be more uh, than, a you know, kind of a one-side player? Um, he is smart. He does have some positional size, so that will help him. Um, but, that, you know, that's really the biggest downside with him. But offensively, he's a hell of a player. I'm hearing more and more people think he's a he's a point guard or at least ball ball in your hands wing type player yeah i think you can really use him on the ball because he's crafty um you know some people said manu ginobili i don't think he's that because he's not a he's a decent athlete he's not a great athlete he doesn't have those long strides you know dragging out the the pick and roll big defender but um you know he can keep guys on his back he can he's ambidextrous so he can finish with either hand um, he has great footwork. He can get to mid-range shots. He can make a pocket pass. Uh, there's just he has a lot of game. He has a lot of confidence. At his pro day, you know these one-on-one workouts. You know, take what you want from him. But ton of guys in the gym, big names, Chris Paul, NBA players, Magic Johnson, all these guys, and he put it on an absolute show. Um, so I, I think Luke is a gamer and a guy who has a lot of value as lottery pick. Kennard is making waves, and he averaged 20 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, effective field goal percentage of 58% last year, 44% from three, 86% free throw shooter. I mean, there's just nothing about those shooting numbers that make you believe they're going to be anything but legitimate when he hits the NBA. The I guess the concern is rim finishing, handle, and defensively. But the shooting in a league that needs shooting, Luke Kennard's probably uh, the best shooter in this draft. So that takes us through the 18th pick. And as we mentioned, there's some interesting names still on the board. John Collins, Wake Forest, Justice Patton, Creighton. We never got the run on bigs that I really thought we were going to have in this draft right in this, right in this section. This 13 through 18 is where I thought that, that, ex- that group of bigs would really – suddenly run in this draft and instead TJ Leaf Justin Jackson a big in Zach Collins but then Terrence Ferguson another small in Juwan Evans and Luke Kennard so we only had in in the area of the draft where I expected the the run on the Harry Giles and the Jared Allens and and the Justice Pattons and the John Collins and the Tony Bradleys and the DJ Wilsons didn't happen will it happen tomorrow we find out before we go any further though Josh Lloyd is the host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball and he gives us us his analysis of how these players fit in and whether any of them would be good fantasy picks next season. Hi guys, it's Josh Lloyd here, back again. The host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball going to be breaking down these selections, pick 13 through to pick 18 in this Locked On mock draft. At number 13, the Denver Nuggets selected TJ Leaf, which uh, I guess some people would be a little bit surprised to see TJ go at that spot. He doesn't project all that well from a fantasy point of view, He's not terrible, but in the situation in this spot where he's going to Denver, 
getting enough minutes for him to be an impactful fantasy guy I think is going to be a little bit of a long shot. Obviously, the shooting can be quite useful, but three-pointers are something that we can find in many different areas across the fantasy landscape, so that doesn't give him a huge amount of um, a huge amount of value, and the defensive stuff is always going to keep him from being a top fantasy-type prospect, but he's fit with the Nuggets would be an interesting one to see him there alongside Nikola Jokic, but I really can't see him again with the other players on this team, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, whether Gallinari returns, what they do with Wilson Chandler, him being able to have any sort of massive impact, and they've got Juancho Hernan Gomez as well. So that doesn't suit him all that well for fantasy, and his game doesn't project as being an upper echelon fantasy rookie coming out of this class pick 14, Justin Jackson went to the Miami Heat uh, out of North Carolina. It, this is a this is a, a decent pick for them. Actually, for for Miami, I, I like the selection for them there. For fantasy, it does absolutely nothing to move the needle. Jackson is not a player who projects well at all. You know, he could be a guy that would struggle to crack the top 250, even if he got decent starters minutes and you would imagine in whatever situation he is drafted in these in this middle of the first round period he is not getting big minutes wherever he ends up going he's a, a guy that seems to do very sort of below average in most categories he can hit the three which again can be valuable but is probably the most easily found stat on the fantasy waiver wire his efficiency is going to be a concern as well he's not providing anything in terms of block numbers his steal numbers aren't going to be awesome so he is not a great fantasy option even though it is a solid pick there for the heat who have their uh, their own free agency concerns especially with uh with James Johnson potentially uh on the move and maybe Jackson moves into that uh backup 3 4 role that that uh that Johnson filled for them this season at number 15 Zach Collins went to the Blazers, and this is one that, from a fantasy point of view, we love because he is an absolute beast in terms of fantasy translations. And if he found himself in a big role, which off the bat in Portland wouldn't be the case because Yusuf Nurkic is there. But one thing we know about Nurkic, he's not exactly the most robust player. Knee problems have bothered him throughout his career. He broke his leg last year. The other backups on the table, Fessa Zazili won't be there. Ed Davis is not wowing anybody. Myers Leonard has plenty of concern. So there is a realistic expectation that if something happened to Nurkic by the end of the year, if Collins was there, you could see him putting up numbers and he would be a must-own fantasy player under that situation. Good rebounding, good block numbers, very good efficiency, get some steals, can score a bit. His translations look fantastic and he is definitely a name to watch for fantasy as we move forward. From a guy that we look at as you know an awesome fantasy option, um, in the right scenario to pick 16 with the Bulls where I'm not sure the, uh, I'm not sure the locked on Bulls guys were really channeling Gar Packs all that much with their younger and more athletic, um, theme here. Um, Terrence Ferguson, the player who played down in my neck of the woods down here in Australia, played for the Adelaide 36ers last season. In terms of what he is going to provide from a statistical point of view, it's really hard to know because the amount of players coming directly out of the NBL to the NBA is limited to James Ennis. And so we've got one one player to look at. So hard, hard to get a real statistical idea of how that stuff is, is going to translate. 
on an accurate basis. But Ferguson's the, Ferguson's the sort of guy the Bulls do need to take. But given the the way that they run things in the front office, the way they run things with the coaching staff, it's really tough to see Ferguson having any sort of an impact. And he obviously is a bit of is a real hit or miss sort of a player, which is fine at that spot. But for fantasy, I have very little faith in him ever becoming some sort of spectacular option or even really a, a, a good option as a fantasy player and definitely not for his rookie season. Pick 17, we had the Milwaukee Bucks select Juwan Evans, and this is one I really love. He can be a very, very good fantasy player. Now, it's probably not going to be his rookie season, depending on where he ends up. And in this situation, there's he's in Milwaukee, and he's got uh, Malcolm Brogdon ahead of him. There's Matthew Dallavadova there. So there is obviously some uh, some competition for minutes, but he is a player that you know, can score, gets assists, gets steals, you know, Hits some threes, can be a good free throw shooter. He does have a very good fantasy ceiling. It's all going to be, can he overcome his lack of size to get enough minutes to be a player who is going to be getting enough minutes that makes him a fantasy useful option. But he is one of those top 15 prospects out of this class in terms of their fantasy translatability. He is right up there. So that's, that's a name that we definitely need to be looking at from a fantasy point of view. Pick 18 and the last one of this part of the Locked On Mock Draft was the Indiana Pacers selecting Luke Kennard out of Duke. He does not look great from a fantasy point of view. Yes, he is going to hit threes. He's a very good shooter, but can he bring anything else to his game? Can he start adding assists? And that's going to be the the part that's going to determine if he can ever become a successful fantasy guy. Can he get three assists per game? Could he get 1.2 steals? And if those, if he can get to those two things, then maybe he sneaks into the top 120. If he never gets those, which it, it seems like it could be a stretch at this point, I really don't see any superstar fantasy standard league top 150 upside out of Luke Kennard for next season or really for any portion of his career. He's just going to be, uh, to my mind, one of those guys who's a top 250, top 200 type of player. Yeah, throughout his career without ever having the other strings to his bow to be able to take himself into a player that's a, that's a regular draftable fantasy type player. That does it for this part of the Locked On Mock Draft. I'll be back to talk about the next six selections in tomorrow's show. So until then, see you later. Josh will be back with us tomorrow, as will Mike Schmitz, as we'll move on with picks 19, 20, Will the Blazers finally be able to move a pick? 21 Thunder, 22 Nets. Pick number 23 is now in the hands of the Hornets, and then the Utah Jazz will pick 24th in this mock NBA draft. That'll come your direction on Monday. Special thanks to everybody involved. Dollar Shave Club was our sponsor today. Remember to give them support. We appreciate it, and I'm telling you, it is the best shave I have had, bar none. I'm not, like... There's no fabrication here. There's nothing that I'm like, I'm not trying to like this. This I have crazy impressed and I absolutely uh, thought I had milked the system in the past and didn't. So check it out. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash lock NBA. Chad Ford, Jonathan Giovoni, also available for you in the Locked On NBA feed. Thanks very much for tuning in to day three of our mock draft. Remember the Reddit AMA at noon Uh, Mountain, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Have a good one. This is the Locked On Podcast Network.